Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. What a gorgeous change of seasons we've had, huh? After that long winter, uh, just amazing to see God's handiwork and what he's greening up here now. You know, with uh, this change of seasons, uh, my wife has been at it again. Um, spring cleaning of the kind that makes me a little bit nervous sometimes. Uh, trying to purge the house of unnecessary stuff, she says. Uh, and so she makes some piles uh, and, and of things she doesn't want to hang on to any longer and, and asks me to look them over to make sure there's nothing that I really wanted. So far I managed to rescue a, a cool container and a collapsible music stand I wanted to keep. But, you know, I have to admit that, that she's on to something. I've been running across articles about this, affirming that... Uh, her, her idea of eliminate and concentrate is a good idea. One article was titled, Your Kids Don't Want Your Stuff. <laughs> so take that to heart if you're as old as I or older. Um, but seriously, we both are realizing that, that it's really just stuff. And what we really want to value and keep is our relationships with people. And as we think about this business of deciding what to keep and what to let go of, uh, you've probably also seen this year, I've been reminded of the, the news networks uh, lately have been making decisions to no longer keep some of their people, some of their news show hosts, uh, uh, though in some cases maybe it was a show host's decision to walk away. But, but uh, I'm not going to take sides on any of that today, but it leads into what I want to talk about here on this Confirmation Sunday. Uh, I believe that Scripture makes it very clear that our Lord Jesus values people. And, and he expressed in his word that he desires to keep all who believe in him and doesn't wish any of them to leave him. And we see that um, in a passage of scripture we're going to look at today is, is known as Jesus' high priestly prayer. It's in John chapter 17. I invite you to look at that with me as we consider his word today. And, and as I introduce this here, I just say it's interesting to me that, that Jesus, as he came to the, toward the end of his earthly ministry, he had very few treasured earthly possessions. Um, but there was something he truly did treasure, and that was the men whom he had called to be his disciples. And so that very night before he was taken from them and arrested, charged and condemned to die on the cross, he prayed for those disciples, and he prayed that the Heavenly Father would keep them. And confidence, that's our prayer for each of you today as well, that you would be kept in, in your relationship with the triune God. Let's look with, uh, at John 17. And I invite you to stand in reverence to God's word as I read. <clears throat> Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They, they were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. 
Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me I had given to them, and they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for this, your word, this, this prayer we have of Jesus, praying for followers of his. May that be our prayer for, for these compliments today, and, and Lord, for each of us, that we would know you, and we will be kept in the faith in you throughout our earthly life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Sometimes when we pray, it's private prayer, and we want only God to hear it. There are other times we pray openly with and for other people. Jesus prayed this prayer to the Heavenly Father, in the presence of the disciples. He apparently wanted them to hear it, but he was praying for them. And as I share with you today some things that we pray for these young followers of Jesus in this confirmation class, we want them to hear these things as well. But these things that we pray for them are, are also what we would pray for any young person and, and all the way up through you who are grandparents here today. If you look back in chapter 16 of John, in the last verse there, Jesus reminded us that in the world you have tribulation. That is, there will be pressures, there will be difficulties and trials in our lives and compliments here today. I want you to know that as well. The road ahead in your life will not be easy. And the desire to live for the Lord that you've expressed today will be tested. And you will be tempted to walk away from your faith and to follow worldly peers in living for the pleasures of this world instead of for the Lord. Two of you I had the privilege of baptizing here 14 years ago. As a part of a baptism service here, we typically say this. We believe that God gives the gift of faith in baptism, but that this gift will be lost unless that child is taught the word of God, upheld by prayer, and given a Christian example to follow. You see, it is possible to fall away from the faith, even in those childhood years, if you're not taught God's word. And even more so, perhaps, it's possible to fall away from God after confirmation or after high school graduation because temptations and worldly perspectives will press in and grow more and more. And Satan would like nothing better than to lure you away from God and his word. But as we pray for you today, 
as we pray as Jesus prayed for the disciples, and I see four things especially that stick out here. First of all, he prays, keep them in your name. In our country, traditionally, girls take on the same last name as their husband when they get married, and then they keep that name throughout their married life. Well, we who are believers in Jesus Christ take on his name, and we become Christians. In Jesus' prayer for his disciples in verse 11, he speaks of the name that he and the Heavenly Father share, and he says this, I no longer am in the world, yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. Do you catch there? In Jesus' prayer, he's expressing that though he and the Heavenly Father are two distinct persons, they are also united as one. It's kind of like this. I think of it as uh, they each have a first name, Father and Son, and the same last name, God. They're, they're absolutely united in purpose. And we see that in, in verse um, 1 and following here. They, they uh, both are glorified together as they together accomplish then bringing salvation, forgiveness of sin, and eternal life to mankind. So what do we pray for these young disciples of, of the church today? Uh, that they would be kept in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They'd be kept then in the Christian faith. And, and what does that mean? Well, it means for each of them having then eternal life and, and knowing it. Verse 2 reminds us that forgiveness of sin and eternal life is a gift from God, and that means that we don't do something to earn it. It's a gift. God wants for each of us to have that gift, and he wants us to know that we have it. Um, not to wonder if, if we do or not. It's like, imagine if you receive a birthday gift, for instance. Um, grandma calls you up to check and ask and say, did you get the gift I sent you? And you don't say, well, I hope so, Grandma, but I don't really know. No, you'd either say, yeah, I got it, thanks, Grandma, or you'd say, no, Grandma, what gift are you talking about? So with this gift from God, you should know if you got it or not. And one of the scriptures that I love sharing with um, students in their personal interview here for confirmation is found in 1 John chapter 5, and it talks about that there, and it says, the testimony is this, God has given us eternal life. And, and the next line then tells us how he's packaged that gift. This life is in his Son. And it goes on to explain, he who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And so we pray for young folks here today, confirmants and others, um, that you would be kept in the Christian faith, and that means having eternal life and knowing it. And that involves in also this, knowing the only true God and the one he sent. And I've stressed this with these students, uh, that they need to not just believe in God, but also in his Son, that's what sets us apart from the Jewish religion or from Islam, for instance. They bo both believe that there is an all-powerful creator God, too, but they do not understand Jesus to be his son. And, and when we stand before God on Judgment Day, if he was to ask us, why should I let you into my heaven? Simply saying, well, I believe that you are the creator of the world. Won't cut it. But saying, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, as my Savior, will. Acts 4.12 says it this way, there is salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven that's been given among men by which we must be saved. Being kept in his name then means having eternal life and knowing it, and it means knowing the Heavenly Father and knowing Jesus as your Savior. 
It also means then believing in and receiving the word of God. And that's where we learn about Jesus in this wonderful book we have called the Bible. Um, Verse 8 here, Jesus says, For the words which you gave me I have given to them, and they received them, and truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. And so being saved then involves believing in and receiving God's word and believing in and receiving Jesus personally. Involves in hearing, as Pastor Ryan shared, God's written word, the law that shows us what sinners we are, and then the gospel that promises forgiveness for all who will admit their sin and trust in Jesus. And the result of our being saved and knowing it is also that then we have peace. We have peace with God. In Christ, our sin and our guilt is taken away, and we have peace with God. And I can't think of anything more important in the world than for each of us to have that, that peace with God and be ready for eternity. And so we pray, Lord, keep these confirmants and all others in your name. And we also pray, keep them in your word. In, in the Quran, the, the, uh, Muhammad uh, calls Christians people of the book uh, because we follow the Bible. What do you think? Are we living up to that name? Christians here today keep opening the book of books. Why do you think Jesus prays for his disciples, keep them in your word? Is it not because he sees this, his word, as essential in keeping people in the Christian faith? In my 35 years of teaching confirmation classes, I've occasionally crossed paths years later with students I had the privilege of teaching who are still reading their Bibles, still walking with the Lord, married and raising their own children in the faith, and what a joy that is to see. I've also become aware of others, though, who quit opening God's Word, quit going to church, and have walked away from the Lord. At catechization uh, last Wednesday night, uh, one of the questions asked of these students was this, how does the Holy Spirit use the Word and the sacraments to keep you? And the answer was, Holy Spirit keeps me by helping me see my sin and helping me see more clearly what Christ has done. And we need that over and over again. If we quit reading the Bible and hearing it preached, then, then we close the door on the Holy Spirit's means of helping us to live in daily repentance of our sins and faith in our Savior. And that's why in confirmation vows, one of those questions that was asked of these folks is, do you, you promise to remain faithful to the teaching of the Christian church and to be diligent in the use of the means of grace. What are the means of grace? We recognize them to be God's word and the sacraments. And so we pray, keep them in your word. Why? Well, Jesus goes on to explain here that they may have full joy, my full joy in themselves. You see, in God's word, as we take it in day by day, it cheers our our weary hearts. It, It offers us hope no matter how discouraging our circumstances are. A daily dose of God's word lifts our eyes above those circumstances to the one who is not bound by circumstances, but rather is in control of them. And so we pray, Father, keep them in your word also that they may be sanctified in truth. Now, what's sanctification? It's that day-by-day process of Christian growth of being shaped to be more and more like Jesus. So whether you're getting confirmed today or, or maybe for some of you that happened 50 years ago, You're to continue in the Word of God because you don't know it all yet. And you haven't applied all that you do know, and neither have I. And we also pray then, Father, keep them in your Word for one other thing here, and that is that they might be used to spread that Word, to spread the truth. 
Jesus says in verse 20, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but those who believe in me through their word. And, and so don't underestimate the tremendous potential uh, of youth who know the Lord. They can be used by the Lord to draw others to him. One article I read just this last week suggested that we should make our church youth missionaries, not the mission field. Over the years, I've seen times when there's been a youth who's invited another youth to youth group or some other church activities, and it has become a life-changing thing for that one that was invited as they came to know then Jesus as their Savior, and the rest of their life then was begun to be built on the solid foundation of God's Word. And so we pray today, keep them in your name, keep them in your word. And then as you look at verse 15, we were reminded of this as well. We pray, keep them from the evil one. You know, in this day and age, many would like to look on the concept of the devil as kind of a joke. A man dressed in red with horns and a pitchfork. But the Bible talks of the devil as a real being in the spirit world who is opposed to all that is good and all that is from God and who prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And that means that he's continually looking for ways to lead the unsuspecting away from the Lord and down the road to destruction in life and even to hell for eternity. And Satan often uses very subtle things like peer pressure from unbelieving friends or instruction from ungodly teachers to lead away from the truths of God and his word. One speaker recently talked of it as this. He called it, the herd instinct, and said it's, it's very strong, that fear of being cast out of the group. And that, folks, is one of Satan's best tricks to pull us away from doing what is right and away from the Lord. And so we pray today, keep them from the evil one. And that means we're praying then, Lord, help them. Help them to live in the world, but to not be of the world. As we live in this world, we're influenced continually by those around us whose focus is, is on soaking up the pleasures of this life, and it's easy to lose sight then of the eternal and lose sight of the fact that for, for Christians, our citizenship isn't here, it's, it's in heaven. And, and here's where I believe Christian parents and, and other Christian adults are so essential in these young people's lives. Parents, your part is not done if you get your kids through two years of confirmation. Now after that, your example becomes even more essential. Do you live your life in the world, but not of the world? Or do your life priorities shout a different example to your teenage kids? Are our Bible reading and prayer and church attendance and Christian fellowship regular patterns in, in your life? I, I cannot tell you how significant it was for me to have not only Christian parents who were quite imperfect, but sought to live what they professed, um, but also who connected me regularly with a congregation of strong believers in Jesus. And it included cousins and aunts and uncles and extended family, but also many others who were like family because that's what the family of God is in the church. And, and there were many that were great role models for me um, of people who have eternal priorities. That brings us to the last thing we pray for here today. We, Father, keep them in your name, keep them in your word, keep them from the evil one. And then keep and will make and keep them as one. God's desire, though we might come from all kinds of different church backgrounds here today, is that we would be united, perfected in unity like the Trinity. That is that we would, in our families and our church and in churches all over America and across the world, be united in spirit and in purpose like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are.
so that the world would know that God sent Jesus to be our Savior. Verse 21, he says this, that they may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world would believe that you sent me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we we do pray today then that you would keep them in your name, that you would keep them in your word, that you would keep them from the evil one, that you would make them and keep them to be one in, in order that others too would come to know the Savior whom you sent, Jesus Christ. And we pray that for each of us here today, Lord, that we would be walking in a relationship with you throughout our earthly life and that you would use us to help to draw others to yourself, that they would know the joy of sin forgiven, peace with God, and uh, eternity secure, uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.